Uh, we're beginning our, our sermon series for the fall, Questions That People Ask Jesus. Uh, questions that people ask you can tell you a lot about them or can certainly tell you a lot about the circumstances that are uh, in their lives. For example, these are, I, I've come up with three questions that I've been asked. These are all real-life, honest uh, questions, and they'll all kind of tell you a little bit about either the person asking the question or a little bit about the circumstances under which the question was asked. The first one was asked to me several years ago, Dad, what exactly is the deductible on our car insurance? So that was one that uh, actually two of my children have asked me that question. Uh, maybe other husbands have gotten this question, Honey, do you like my hair? And I always have to ask a clarifying question. Hey, do you want the truth or do you want a compliment? Because I just, I just need to know I can do either one of those. Uh, but I, I have to ask a clarifying question back. Maybe you've had this question asked to you. It's really a painful question. Sir, do you know exactly how fast you were going? Um, each of those tells you a little bit about either the person asking the question or uh, the circumstance under which the questions were asked. You know, people have a lot of questions for Jesus. People don't necessarily have a lot of questions about church or about church people, but Jesus is a name that is well known all over this planet. And entering into a conversation with somebody about Jesus usually will lead you to questions that folks have. Are you the son of God? Why are my circumstances so hard? If you really are God, why can't you fix these problems I'm having in my life? Am I going to heaven? It's a question that maybe people would ask of Jesus. They reveal the spiritual side of humanity. They know that we know that there must be something more than just the, the mundane existence, but we're uncertain perhaps about truth and, and perhaps about where we stand with God, and maybe Jesus does know some of the answers to that question. We'd like to ask Jesus a few questions. I've had folks say to me before, you know, if Jesus would just come and sit with me for a little while, uh, I could probably get a lot of this cleared up pretty quickly, and, my, and maybe my faith would be a little bit deeper. Well, in this sermon series, between now and Thanksgiving, we're going to take time to look at questions that people ask Jesus. Uh, we're not going to go through one particular book this morning. We happen to be in John's Gospel. We're going to be we're going to be looking. Uh, at a conversation that Jesus has in John chapter 3, but we're going to bounce around the Gospels with the intention of looking at the questions, examining them closely. We'll also spend some time, and we will this morning, on how Jesus answers the questions, but that's not really my chief aim. My chief aim is that we would learn something about humanity, about ourselves, as well as about our friends and neighbors and family members when it comes to the spiritual aspect of our lives in order that we can get some answers. One of the reasons that, that I, I want to do this series is because I think the questions that were asked of Jesus 2,000 plus years ago are questions that are still being asked today. The context is different. We live in the 21st century. We live in a highly uh, technological age, but the issues of the human heart remain the same. And, and I know there are folks that are here on a regular basis, people that I interact with that have questions that have not yet been answered. And so we want to do that simply because uh, it's good to know that others are asking the same question. Sometimes you go, I, you know, I probably shouldn't ask that because I'm probably the only one that's thought of that. Uh, and I think we'll find from the sermon series that, that certainly isn't the case. Now, I, I want to stop for a second and say this. I've kind of planned out all my Sundays, but I do want to say this. If you have a question that you'd really like to, to ask Jesus or, or there's something that, that is kind of rolling around in your mind, please send me an email. 
I, I can't promise that I'll get to it. I can't promise that I'll actually get in a sermon, but this is a highly flexible sermon series. I can kind of add and take away as I go. You know, kind of we've been through Romans, and when you get to Romans 3, you kind of got to do Romans 3, and you can't really, you know, go someplace else. In this series, we can move around a little bit. So if you've got some questions that have just been mulling around in your mind, please shoot me an email. Go to our website. You can find me in the staff page and send that to me. But the questions that were asked of Jesus, there are questions. There are questions of the human heart. But the second reason that I, I feel led to do this series is because I want disciples of Jesus at Green Tree Community Church to be equipped not only to know our Lord better, not only to, because we will see him in his answers that he gives to people, but I also want us to be better equipped to share with others. Because the questions haven't stopped. The questions keep coming are we prepared to engage and to dialogue with folks in that vein, being able to share what Christ would share with them? So this morning we're going to look at John chapter 3, and I'm going to tell you up front that Nicodemus has three questions, and, and they're the Tom Rick's paraphrased questions, so I've kind of put my own language to it, but as we go through the passage, hopefully uh, some accuracy will be borne out. Uh, Nicodemus' first question is this, uh, I'm okay with God, Right? He's asking Jesus, I, I'm, I, my assumption is I'm good, right? His second question is going to be, what do you mean I'm not okay with God? And his third question is going to be, well, if I'm not okay with God, is there any hope? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for uh, the questions that people ask of you. We're thankful for the fact that you have created us not just physically, but you've also created us to be uh, thinkers. And you've given us a spiritual soul with which to know you. Father, we, uh, more often than not, we're, we, we move away from you uh, in, our, in our sinfulness and, and in, our, uh, in our rebellion against you. We kind of make up our own answers as we go along. But Father, you haven't abandoned us. You, you don't rebuke us for asking questions. You're, you're a good father. Come, come and ask. I'll be happy to tell you the truth. So, Father, I thank you that, that that's what we're going to see this morning. That's what we're going to see by your grace and by your will throughout the fall. Uh, that people come with very real questions, very perplexed, very anxious, very uncertain. And, Lord, that describes us very often. And I thank you that Jesus didn't turn folks away. He sat with them or he stood with them. He, he paused or he took, in, in, this, in this particular instance, he, he took probably several hours to have this conversation with this man who was, who was spiritually uh, hurting and confused. So, Lord Jesus, we come in that, in that same vein. We come seeking to understand your truth and have it applied to our lives. Father, I pray for every one of us in this room, uh, whether we've known you for a long time or whether we're just... Uh, beginning to explore the spiritual aspect of our lives. Father, I pray that you would speak your truth into our hearts and our minds. Forgive me for my sin. Don't let me stand in the way of what you want us to learn and know this morning. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you answer our questions. We pray in your name. Amen. We're not going to read through this passage this morning. If you're new to Green Tree, typically what I will do at the beginning of the sermon is I'll set it up a little bit and then we'll actually read the passage. Because this is a topical sermon series, which is a little bit different, some Sundays we will read the passage and some Sundays we'll just work through it. Today is one of those Sundays where we're just going to kind of work through the passage as 
we go along. Uh, but let me tell you a little bit about this man, Nicodemus, that you're going to meet in just a minute if, you, if you're uh, not familiar with John chapter 3. Nicodemus is a very religious man. He, he, he's what's called a Pharisee, and a Pharisee was a, was a pastor or a priest. If you, if you come out of a church context, you went to a church where there was a, a parish priest or you had a local pastor, uh, and then maybe in, in the church where you've, you've been before, maybe there were bishops and uh, so on and so forth in a hierarchy. Nicodemus was in that hierarchy. Nicodemus was a religious leader in the nation of Israel. Uh, he was probably somewhere beyond being a local pastor. He was probably uh, maybe in the area of bishop, that kind of area. He's a very prominent person in his culture, and he's supposed to be a person who has the theological answers to the questions that people are asking. Nicodemus was a person who had probably memorized most of the first five books of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy are called the Pentateuch or the law, the five books of the law the law of Moses, and, and the chances are that Nicodemus knew that backwards and forwards. He had, he had memorized it since he was a child, and he had followed it, at least from an outward appearance, at least as far as behavior was concerned. He had followed the law, and he had taught it to others. His behavior, again, from an outward side, uh, whether you knew his heart or not, if you just looked at him, a casual observation, and maybe even a little bit deeper than a more casual observation, you would see impeccable behavior on the part of Nicodemus. But now he's met Jesus. Now he's encountered this uh, carpenter-turned-teacher who's claiming to be the Son of God, and he is very disturbed. He is very uneasy. And so he comes to Jesus with his questions. His first question actually comes in the form of a statement. His first question is, I'm okay with God, right? If you look at the first couple verses in John chapter 3, it says this, now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, which is the term for teacher, it's a term of respect. So, uh, so Nicodemus is giving Jesus uh, respect in the way he addresses him. He's not coming looking to attack Jesus. He's coming in, in, in a way that, that is, is polite uh, and, and offers some honor to Jesus. Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Notice, uh, stay on that page if you would. Notice that, that I've underlined there. It's not underlined in your Bible, but I, I wanted to, to draw that out because Nicodemus is saying to Jesus, we have the law of Moses. I have the law. I know what the final authority is here. Nicodemus is making a claim that, that he and his uh, group of fellow um, Pharisees are the final say on all things spiritual. And what he's saying to Jesus is, now, Jesus, you're with us, right? We're all okay. The question that I, I believe lies behind the statement is not so much that he's trying to compliment Jesus as that he's trying to validate himself. He, he's trying to find out what Jesus' opinion is of his religious standing, of his spiritual well-being. And so he starts off with a statement that I believe is really a question. The question is, Jesus... 
it seems that you're from God. It seems that you have some authority. You know, you've been doing these miracles. You've been walking on water and feeding lots of people, and you've been healing people. You've got to be from God, and, and we know that because we're the final authority. So we're all okay. We're all together, Jesus, right? Nicodemus' statement shows the desire of the human heart to be right. It shows the intense, burning passion that is in within every human heart to be right. The Bible calls it righteousness, in right standing. Uh, I have a, a certain defenseman on the high school hockey team I coach, and sometimes I kind of feel like you know, I could talk to that screen and I would get more of a response because we'll, we'll, I'll see something happen on the ice and we'll come over to the bench and I'll say, now, here's a different way to do it. And before the, the word's out of my mouth, he's explaining to me why he's right. He, he's explaining to me why, you know, I haven't, there's something I've missed there. Uh, you know, coach, I'm 16 and I got it all figured out. You, you know, I've played hockey for eight years and you've been around at 30 years. Clearly, I know more than you. It's not that he's being disrespectful. It's that he has a deep abiding passion to be right. I've seen people destroy their marriages over desire to be right. The best thing a counselor ever asked me was, Tom, do you want to win the argument or do you want to win your wife? I've seen people that literally refuse to acknowledge that they are wrong and they're willing to sacrifice a relationship like a marriage because they must be right. It's in every one of our hearts, friends. It's a passion that every human being has. And Nicodemus is showing his cards. He's showing that he's wired just like you and me. It's like, Jesus, I need to be right. And I am right with God. I'm okay, right? And although we're not going to spend a ton of time on the answers, how does Jesus respond? Jesus answered him in verse 3. Truly, truly. Or in all honesty, Nicodemus, or Nicodemus, pay attention because I'm getting ready to tell you something very important. I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. In other words, Jesus is saying this, Nicodemus, I'm just fine. I'm in great shape. You have a very serious problem on your hands. <laughs> You're in a bad place spiritually. What I love about Jesus is he always gives honest answers to honest questions, even if it's an answer that maybe we would rather not hear. And again, I don't want to spend a lot of time here, but let me just pause for a minute and point out a couple of things that this answer tells us about Jesus. The first is that Jesus doesn't say, Nicodemus, why are you asking me? That's a question only for God. When Nicodemus says, we know you're from God, Jesus says, right, you got it, brother, I am. I am actually the final authority on the question. It's not you. It's not your fellow Pharisees. I'm the author of the law of Moses. I'm the one who gave it to you in the first place. I'm the eternal son of God. Jesus takes on that authority by answering the question of Nicodemus. The second thing he says is that God's building a kingdom, and that's great news. God has not turned his back on people who aren't okay. God hasn't said to people, we haven't gotten it right, so I'm going to have nothing to do with you. God engages with people that don't get it right every day for the purpose of helping them learn what it means to have a true and honest and eternal relationship with God. God is building a kingdom, but following the rules is not the way. Nicodemus was in this mindset that, that if his behavior was okay and he acted a certain way and he said certain things at the right time, that, that his behavior would be good enough to get him where he wanted to go. And Jesus says, that's not true. So Nicodemus says, I'm okay with God, right? And Jesus' answer is no, you're not. And so Nicodemus comes back with a question that really I think is, is, is more, he's kind of astonished. He's like, I'm not okay? <laughs> How can that possibly be? 
In verse 4, Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Nicodemus is offended. (laughs) Nicodemus is confused. He's perplexed. It's not that, that he really thinks that a man is going to go inside his mother's womb and be born again. It, it, it's a sarcastic type of comment. It's a tongue-in-cheek type of comment. What he's saying is, what are you talking about, Jesus? How is it that, that I'm wrong? What do you mean I'm wrong? That's the question that Nicodemus is answering. And, and what that reveals, I think, is both sincerity and alarm. Nicodemus doesn't get up and throw his arms up and say, well, Jesus, I'm not going to talk to you anymore because you didn't give me the answer I like. He continues to push in. He continues to ask. Nicodemus is sincere. Nicodemus has has a desire, somehow has been born in his heart to figure this out. And And I think people that come to Jesus today come with a sense of sincerity. If you ask an honest answer, if you if you ask an honest question, they expect an honest answer. Now, as we approach Jesus, our receptors might be off a little bit. Sinfulness in our lives certainly skews the way we look at things. Uh, we don't come to Jesus as perfect people. We come to Jesus with our questions as broken people. But even though we are broken, I believe there's a sincerity in the heart of Nicodemus that is a sincerity that is in the heart of all people. People are spiritual because we're made in God's image. We're different than the animals. We're different than plant life. We have a soul that, that is able to reason and think in a way that God intended us for spirituality. It is broken over sin, but it is there nonetheless. The receptor may be flawed, but it's still in some working order. I have a, a friend who's really, a, a, she's a friend of Cindy and ours. She's a great friend. We, she's one of the first people we met when we moved back to St. Louis. And she's a great practical joker. She loves to just kind of, if you go to a restaurant with her and you go home, I don't, I don't carry a purse, but it, my wife does, and she'll come home and there'll be like three different, you know, utensils from the restaurant and 25 packets of sugar. You know, she's just kind of stuffed things in, in your purse. If they had an alarm that went off of things you've taken out of the restaurant, we would have been in trouble a long time ago. But um, she's come up with this one joke where, and it only works in a room where it's kind of loud. So like you're at a wedding reception and you're at a table uh, or you're in a, you know, in a big area where you know, a lot of people are meeting and she'll sit across from the table with you and she'll say these words that you really can't quite hear. She'll say olive juice. But if you're sitting across from a table for somebody and they say olive juice, but you can't hear it, you know what it sounds like? It sounds like I love you. And I'm like, What? The first time she did this, I'm like, oh, yeah, love you too. She goes, no, 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 olive juice. And I can't hear it. I'm like, what are you doing? And everybody around the table is just laughing at, at me because my receptors aren't working quite right. I'm hearing something she isn't saying. And I'm like, Cindy, what is, what is going on here? And they, then they all let me in on the joke. So now if you're with me at a reception, I'll try that on you. I'll sit across the table and I'll say olive juice and see how far it goes. Nicodemus is hearing olive juice. He's not quite there. He's confused. He is uh, alarmed at this response. And Jesus goes on to answer this question to verify that, no, Nicodemus, that's right, you're not okay. You know, now you're asking in a different tone. I, I'm not okay? That's right, Nicodemus. Look uh, at verse 5. Jesus says to him, and he uses this phrase again, truly, truly, Nicodemus, pay attention. I'm giving you something real serious here. I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. What Jesus is saying to Nicodemus is, Nicodemus, you're not okay because rule-keeping is not the pathway to God. 
But he doesn't stop there. And, and we need to see the heart of Jesus here, friends. He doesn't just tell Nicodemus what's wrong. The church has gotten so good at telling our culture what's wrong that we've lost sight of reminding them that there's something within them that God created that is beautiful and good and wonderful. It's been broken by sin, but it needs to be and can be restored through a relationship with Jesus Christ. And the church has forgotten that part of the message. We've gotten really good at saying, no, you're, you're not hearing it right. You're doing this wrong and you're doing that wrong, but we've forgotten the compassionate heart of Jesus. And Jesus gives an answer that Nicodemus might be uncomfortable with. In fact, he is uncomfortable with, but it's a true answer, and it's an answer motivated by love. Jesus has compassion for Nicodemus. I say to you, unless one is born of the water and of spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Jesus doesn't just say, Nicodemus, you're you're not okay. He does just say you're trying to keep the rules and that's not a pathway to God, but he goes on to tell him the correct pathway. He goes on to give him the right answer. Nicodemus, if you want to be right, the kingdom of God is about washing away your sins. That's why he uses the word water there. Uh, you see folks that, that aren't baptized as children and as adults, they come to faith and we baptize them as adults. That's, a, that's an outward sign of what God does inside of us. That, that water is, is a symbol of purification. It's a symbol of, of the old has been washed away, the dirt has been washed away, and now the person is clean. Baptism doesn't save you. It's simply a picture that we can kind of see visually to help us understand what's transpired in a person's heart. And so Jesus is saying, your sins must be washed away, and the Spirit of God will give you new life. You're not okay, but you can be. And Nicodemus doesn't quite get this. He's still kind of lost in all of us, which, which is why he asked the third question. And the third question, the way I've summed it up, is this, if I'm not okay, is there any hope? He heard the first part of what Jesus said. He heard the, 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 the part that says, you know, you're kind of going about this the wrong way. But he, but he kind of lost the, the, the second part of it, which was, you, must, you know, the water and the spirit is what bring new life. And so in verse 9, he comes back with this question. He says, how can these things be? Now he's kind of throwing up his hands and he's saying, if I'm not okay, is there any hope at all? How can I possibly experience a right relationship with God? His perplexity has turned to astonishment. Nicodemus is hearing something that for all of his years reading the law, for all of his years thinking he was spiritual, for all of his, his religiosity, for all of his outward behavior, he's hearing something that's radically different than anything he's ever heard. Nicodemus, you're in serious trouble. You're a sinner. You're lost. But God's building a kingdom. But the way you're trying to get in the kingdom is, is, is the absolute wrong way. And Nicodemus says, how can this be? It would be like somebody telling you that, that after all these years, and you truly found out that you really did waste your life. You've poured your life into something. You've given everything to it. And then there's a discovery. You know, maybe you were the person that just, you know, all of your life you taught the world was flat. And then the day that we found out it was wrong, you just found out that you'd wasted all of, all of your life. And Nicodemus says, how, how can this be? He's not only astonished, but I think it also shows a longing in the human heart. St. Augustine said this. Every human, because of sin, has a God-shaped hole in their heart. They know that he's there, even if they deny it. Nothing else can fill it. There's no other, not money, not sex, not, not you know, property, not, not possessions, not uh, fame and fortune. Nothing can replace, can fill this God-shaped hole. Only God 
can do it. And I believe that, that what Nicodemus, when he kind of throws up his arms and says, how can these things be? He's showing that God-shaped hole. He's showing the longing of the human heart in this question. Uh, about a, uh, almost two years ago now, uh, a young man who had played hockey at Kirkwood High School died in, a, in an accident uh, after he'd gone off to college. And um, before the next hockey game, the varsity coach, I was coaching the JV guys, the varsity coach called me and said, would you come in and pray for our team? Because, you know, this just happened a couple days ago and we've got a game. And so I walked into the locker room before the game and I, I knew most of the kids. And um, before I prayed, I said, guys, you know, I don't, I don't know if you have faith or you don't have faith. I don't know if you believe or you don't believe. Uh, but, you know, coaches asked me to come and pray, and so I, I just want to pray for you guys. And, and before I prayed, the coach said this. He goes, oh, Tom, we all have faith. We all believe. Now, I don't think he was confessing Christ at that moment, but I do think what he was saying was we all have a desire to know God. Friends, people that are asking questions about Jesus, yes, our receptors are flawed. Yes, we, we, we're not seeking God in a way that we can brag about or that, that we can take credit for. But it's not all gone. We're not completely corrupt. And I think that Nicodemus's question shows that longing of the heart. And so Jesus gives them both the bad news and the good news. The bad news is in verses 10 through 13. And he says, are you Israel's teacher and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, and again, he uses that phrase several times in this passage. Nicodemus, listen carefully. I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. The bad news is, Nicodemus, you're supposed to be an expert in the word of God, but you've missed it, and you've missed it completely. But he doesn't stop there. I'm going to give you verse 14, and then I'm going to skip ahead, uh, 14 through 17. Jesus says this, here's the answer. To your question about hope, Nicodemus. You want to know if there's hope? Yes. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, he's referring back to a a story out of the the, uh, wilderness wanderings of the children of Israel, which you can read in the book of Exodus. And uh, there was a plague in the camp, and God told Moses to put a a serpent on a a cross and to hold it up, and everybody who looked at that would be healed. And it was a a foreshadowing of what Jesus was going to do. It was kind of a, a prophetic Uh, picture. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man, that's Jesus' name for himself, so must Jesus be lifted up that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Jesus says, Nicodemus, here's the bad news. You should know this by now. You're supposed to be a teacher in Israel. How is it possible that you've missed all of this? You've missed it completely. But Nicodemus, there's good news here. Good news is that God, the Father, loves people just like you, Nick. He thought about you and your sinfulness and your brokenness and trying to get it right and missing it so badly. And that's why I'm here. You're right. I am the Son of God. And I've come that you might be saved and that you might become part of the family of God. Nicodemus, the truth is that you can be okay through a relationship with me, through faith in me. Friends, again, I think the question 2,000 years ago and the questions today are pretty much the same. They might be worded a little bit differently. You might have to to, to listen 
carefully to kind of get to it. I think Jesus was a, a phenomenal listener, and I'm going to come to that in just a minute. Jesus heard the cry of Nicodemus' heart, and he answered him in, in the way that brought life to Nicodemus. Nicodemus ultimately put his faith in Christ. As you read later on in John and, and in other places, we know that Nicodemus became a disciple of Jesus. And my guess is he became a disciple of Jesus that night. Those are the questions that people are asking. And Jesus gives the good news. That's, why the, that's what the word gospel means, good news, that God has sent his son into the world. And that faith in him brings you salvation and it brings you into the family of God. So how do we apply this? Where do we take this as we walk out these doors? We're going we're to sing a little bit before we go. We're going to have some donuts and coffee together. We're going to hang out for a little while, and we're going back into the world. We're going back into a place where there are a lot of questions just like this one. Let me give you some thoughts on application. The first is that might be your question this morning. What, what does it mean to be okay with God? How do I make that happen? I've been trying to keep all the rules, and Jesus is saying it's not that. Let me just remind you what Jesus said. God sent his son into the world not to condemn the world, but that through him they might be saved. Why? Because God so loved the world. God loves sinners. He loves to redeem. He loves to save. He loves to adopt broken sinners just like you and me. If you're new at Green Tree and you stick around for a little while, here's what you're going to find out. This is, not a, this is not a group of all perfect people. We got plenty of things that we don't get right at Green Tree Community Church. We'll probably hurt your feelings at some point. We'll probably do something we shouldn't do. I know the pastor probably will. I can't speak for everybody else. Well, this is an imperfect group of people, but it is a group of people that have embraced this truth. God so loved us. Tom Rex, put your name in there. That he gave his only son so that whoever, Tom Ricks, if you do, if you believe in him, you'll not perish. You'll have eternal life. That's the truth for you this morning if you put your faith in Christ. If you've never done that, it's as simple as a, a, a simple prayer of saying, Lord Jesus, I want to put my faith in you. I want to trust you. I want to abandon my trying to work for my salvation and admit my sin and come to you. If you don't know how to do that, our prayer team is up front afterwards. We'd love to pray for you. I stand by the front door. I'd love to, to talk with you and pray with you. But the first application is belief. But for those of us in this room who would say, yes, we are believers. We, we have put our faith in Christ. We're, we're not still asking that question. That question has been answered. Where does that leave us? Well, the first application, I believe, is do we have relationships with people who are asking questions? Have I surrounded myself with so many Christians that I don't know anybody who's asking the question anymore? Am I purposely and intentionally trying to put myself in the pathway of people like Nicodemus who really are curious and don't yet have the answer? And I would say as believers, we need to be very intentional. As disciples of Jesus, we need to be very, very intentional about building relationships with folks in order to help be an answer to the question. The, the third or the second for disciples would be we need to really learn to listen. We need to, we need to be able to, to really pay attention because notice that Nicodemus didn't start with a question, right? He said, Lord, we're, you know, we're all good here. We know you're from God. You know, let's, let's talk. You, you, know, you and I are in the same business. That, there was no question there. But Jesus heard the question, and he went directly to deal with the issue as he should. We've got to learn to be good listeners. True story, two weeks ago. I'm standing right there by that little offering church, and uh, Cindy comes up to me after the second service. She says, what are you doing? 
I said, well, the Warrells are having all the young couples over to their house for the Bible, uh, you know, their Bible, their Sunday morning group. They started at 1030, but it's going to be going for a little while. So I'm going to go over there um, because, you know, I'm a good pastor and I want to go meet all those young couples. And Jamie Warrell cooks phenomenal waffles, which was really my intention in the first place. So he's like, okay, great. Um, I said, I'm just going to stop by. I've got to get out of there quick, but I'm going to stop in for about 15 minutes. And she says, okay, I'll meet you over there. Okay, so now... 10 minutes, 15 minutes has gone by. I've talked to like three other people in here. I, I've been stopped in the parking lot by a couple of people. I've had several conversations. I hop in my car, and I look at my, my phone, and I see, oh, man, I do not have time to stop at the URLs. I'm really running late. So I call Todd on the phone. I say, hey, Todd, I'm running late. I, you know, if I stop by, it's going to be like for a minute. That'll be Rudy's like, Tom, look, it's kind of breaking up. A lot of people have already left. No worries. Keep on going. So I drive home. I change clothes. I get back in the car. I'm headed out, and, uh, and, and my phone rings, and it's Cindy. And I said, hey, sweetie, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? She goes, what do you mean, what am I doing? I said, what, what are you doing? She goes, I'm at the Warrells. And I said, promise true. Why are you at the Warrells? <laughs> My wife is rarely speechless, but the other end of the phone was, up, 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 up. <laughs> she was dumbfounded that in 20 minutes, I completely forgot a conversation. I wasn't listening. <laughs> Friends, Maybe I should say men. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure. Thank you, ladies, for the applause. We, we pass by people that don't know Jesus all the time like that. They actually are asking a question. They, they really do want to know. They've seen something in your life that's a little bit different. It's a little bit quirky. It's, 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 it's an oddity to them, perhaps. And they're asking the question, and... We rush right by him. And I know we're busy. I, I know we all have lives to live. We have responsibilities. But brothers and sisters, we need to learn to listen with the ears of Jesus to hear the questions that people are asking. And then the last one, uh, just very quickly, is we need to study to know the answer. We need to be students of God's word. When somebody is in a crisis moment and they turn to you and say, you know, I think you have some kind of faith. Can you tell me about it? That's not the time to go, boy, I needed to study my Bible. <laughs> That's the moment when God's brought that person across your pathway. And so we need to be people who know the word of God so we can answer the questions because they're out there. They're all around us. And they're not just questions like, dad, what's our deductible on the insurance? They're questions like, my, my life is hopeless. Is, is there any hope? I've heard about this Jesus. Is he really someone who could save? Am I okay with God? That question is all around us. Are we prepared to listen and to answer with the grace of God through Christ?